Hey, it's me, Solid Snake, protagonist and heartthrob of the Metal Gear Solid series. I'm stuck in patreon.com slash supernpcradio, but I've uncovered the key to defeating Foxhound. Hello? Snake? It's me, Otacon. Have you told them the key to defeating Foxhound yet? Uh, no. I was just about to, but you interrupted me. Uh, sorry. I, I almost screwed this up as bad as when I designed Metal Gear. Also sorry for pissing on myself when we met. Anyway, the key to defeating Foxhound is... Hello, Solid Snake. It is I, Psycho Mantis. I was reading your mind and I could see that you haven't told the listener that the key to defeating Foxhound is by going to patreon.com slash supernpcradio and listening to the Metal Gear Solid Games Club from Super NPC. If someone would just give me a minute, I could tell- Oh, my bad. Carry on. To defeat Foxhound, you must listen to the Metal Gear Solid Games Club from Super NPC Radio, where we're covering the Metal Gear Solid series. I can see in your podcast listening history that you enjoyed The Legend of Zelda Games Club, listener. You'll love this. He's right. Your favorite pals at Super NPC Radio will be covering 10 games in the Metal Gear Solid series. They'll release bi-monthly on Fridays. Oh, jeez, I'm going to peace myself again. It's true. You can find it all at the $10 DJ Toad tier over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio every other Friday. There's more to come after that, too. In the second half of the year, I've seen it. Another series after Metal Gear? Oh, man. This is a lot to take in. What's that series going to be about? It better not be about piss. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. This is a podcast hosted by yours truly, Connor McCabe. And on the show, I bring on a guest to talk about a meaningful game from a particular moment in their past. And by game, I mean video game, uh, to be specific. Any digital game is eligible. Um, and I think truly as recently as the last episode, I went on a little diatribe about how it could even be a board game as long as you're playing it on a computer or a phone, it counts. Um, this show is, is a blast. I love sitting down with people and talking to them about what made playing a particular game fun or memorable. But also, we dive into the context of when and how they really got into it for that meaningful time. A little bit of housekeeping up top is uh, if you are on social media, consider checking us out and supporting us. You can follow us on both Instagram and Twitter uh, on Instagram. We are at call me by your game pod and on Twitter, we are at call me by your game, but there's just one Y. So that's B Y O U R there. You can see uh, all the stuff we've got going on the episodes that drop weekly. Um, what games we're covering our awesome guests that are joining us. You can learn how to support them too um, and see what they've got going on. We have a bo monthly bonus episode on our Patreon of the show. You'll see that as well. So yeah, we have a, a whole bunch going on there. So consider supporting us on social media. You can also support the show by leaving a five-star rating and review on the Apple podcast store. And if it's not mean-spirited, which uh, none of them have been so far, uh, we'll go ahead and read it on the show. Um, also, and as I'm like searching Apple podcasts to see, do we have any new 
reviews. I'll have to check. Um, you can also share the show with a friend, whether they love video games in general, um, this game in particular, or even the guest that we have on today. And you can also uh, check us out on Patreon. That's a super meaningful way you can do this. If you like me and what I have to share about games, uh, you're going to find a lot of great stuff there too, especially if you want to hear more about my experiences with this games, which with games, which we don't really get into so much on the show because I try to hear more from the guest, but I'll sneak in some personal anecdotes every once in a while. Um, lastly, uh, I think the last thing we have is, yeah, no, that's actually it. <laughs> uh, so check it out there. You're going to have a, a good time. Uh, that's about it. So now we'll go ahead and introduce our guest for the episode. So please welcome someone who I realized, I meant to say this to you earlier, but your name essentially is a rhyme with the game that we're talking about today. Jed Alcantara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had the same revelation minutes before we got on. <laughs> when is it when you saw like the Zoom meeting name? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the other thing is like when I was growing up, we called it Legend of Mana because we, yes. we didn't hear it otherwise. And then only coming into this, I remembered like just soundbite of like playing Diablo 2. And uh -huh. your character's like, I need mana. And I was like, wait, it's mana. Yeah. And I saw the Zoom title, Jedi Kantara, Legend of Mana. Anyway. <laughs> it was, hey, you know what? All it's saying to me is that it's meant to be, and good thing you didn't pick Bushido Blade. Oh my because God. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked out. Um, I, uh, that's so funny that you had the same revelation because I didn't think about it too until I finally typed out the event name. Yeah. I was and like, whoa, the, it's official. So, here we are, but um, Jed, uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you uh, for having me. Of course, we, we know each other like I know the majority of my guests. We met um, at least, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and just say it. We met about four years ago in the Los yeah. Angeles improv community. And I can say for certain it was four years ago because as you brought up on the show, uh, Halloween 2018, I borrowed uh, an article of clothing from you, which was which helped me pull together a costume that otherwise would have been indistinguishable. <laughs> yes, if I am remembering correctly, it's it was a blue Star Trek top. Um, yes, it, I wanted to it to be from the original series, but when I got it, it was from the new Star Trek. Yes, and it was a Spock. Just like this blue is science, and it was a Spock shirt. But I believe you're trying to be. I was being, uh, I, I can't, what was the character that um, Anton Yelkin, RIP, that he played? Oh, Whoever, yeah. whatever Scott, character uh, that was. Chekhov. Yes. Yes. I, there's a handful of uh, of actors that I, that like I've gotten that I look like. And I'm, I'm usually in the vein of like, you know, a, a smaller, uh, like white pointy faced guy <laughs> like, like him. Like I've gotten Anton Yelkin a lot, um, yeah. immediately making yeah. this about me. That was great. Um, when I had a buzzed head in college for a little bit and, and a few other times I had gotten a lot of, uh, gosh, why can't I think of his name? Uh, he played Jesse in Breaking Bad. Um, uh, Aaron? Aaron Paul. Yeah. Your personal friend, Aaron. You just call him Aaron, though. Uh, you know, Aaron. It's how it goes. <laughs> uh, used to get a lot of Elijah Wood when I had curly or long hair. Uh, uh, just sort of in that that vein of whatever those like little, little white guys are <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> That's what I get. But we had dressed up a uh, friend of the show. Edgar Montplacier was, uh, uh, was forming a team for a cage match that Halloween at, at the UCB theater. And the theme of the, uh, 
of the show was the 27 club because Edgar used to be fascinated with it. Um, and so I think Edgar dressed up as did he dress up at dress up as Jimi Hendrix or Bosky? He dressed up as someone. Uh yeah. no, Anna was Jimi Hendrix, but I ended up dressing up as uh Anton Yelkin, who also passed away when he was 27. So sort of poor taste, to be honest. <laughs> and it was only a few years after that. Tra- uh, tragedy struck but all that to say is jed you came through for me i think i posted on instagram that i was looking <laughs> for a shirt and it worked out well i am happy i'm happy that that happened hey. and how fortunate for us that that happened to anton yeah and uh, i'm sorry you can me. cut that. <laughs> no it's okay um yeah poor guy he was he seemed like a really it's nice tragic, guy so dude. it's too bad yeah. uh but anyway that's so i know that we've been friends for at least since 2018 so i'm gonna give mm-hmm. us at least four years here um we i don't remember exactly how we met but i do remember uh you being around and being just such a what i might describe as just like a jolly presence every time i would see you just such a warm inviting person uh and then of course you know saw you on a handful of teams but um you know most notably miss go lightly um just with a bunch of like my uh favorite buds um some former guests of the show yes at least two we've had wake and tony that yes maybe it actually i think that's it but i've got to are... i've got to get everyone on at some point and complete my little thanos <laughs> yeah exactly you're collecting those like little gems yes uh, uh so if you're listening geo i'm coming for <laughs> <you>. <laughs> um but that's you know generally how we know each other we were talking before the show we were just like when Kind of like a lot of people I have on the show is like, when was the last time we talked? That's right. Couldn't tell you. Well, saw actually probably saw each other in November as we were counted mm-hmm. um, at a birthday event that I was uh, very intoxicated at. So, you know, <laughs> memory's a little spotty. But who? Uh, what else have you been up to, Jed? What do you do? Uh, introduce yourself to the to the audience that we have oh. listening. Just they can't wait to hear what you have to say. Oh my gosh! Uh, hi, I'm Jed. Um... I'm a comedian, I guess, primarily. That's how I came up through meeting Connor and everything. Mm-hmm. I started off doing improv at the UCB theater, and then I moved over to the PAC theater and just the indie scene in general. Um, right now, I, I got, well, I got into sketch a few years ago. So I do sketch comedy with oh, my yeah. team at the PAC called, our team is called Gold Baby. Yeah. Wait, yeah. who else is on your team? I, that sounds, I mean, maybe it's just because I've seen you post about it, Yeah. but I feel like I might know some other people on that squad. I don't know if any of them are, uh, well, there's, oh man. Okay. Let's see. There's Billy Ritter. There's Kelsey Risher. There's Kaina Wise, Lauren Burwell, Emily Champlin, Nick Coluzzi, Matt Park, Tatiana Krokar. I'm missing someone. Oh, Brian Fitzgerald. Um, hey, you know what? No one's coming to mind. Yeah. But, but hey, congratulations, by the yeah. way, on your team. Um, Thank you. Were you, was this a pre-pandemic team or were you, were you formed recently when the pack started to get going again? Yeah, we we formed before the pandemic. We okay. had done, a f- we'd been, I, the timeline is kind of fuzzy for me. Yeah. We had been a team for maybe, maybe shortly after when we met, maybe. Okay. I, I don't know, maybe three years that's awesome um yeah so we have a monthly show every wednesday cool at, at the new ish pack i mean you know revitalized pack. yes yeah whatever. that's right and um aside from that i think um 
in the indie scene or just the improv scene, I'm probably more known for being associated with the thing that you mentioned, Miss Go Lightly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's been a little bit interesting getting back into doing live comedy. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, br- it brings back a lot of the stuff that I felt like I might've regressed on. Oh my like, God. Oh, let's, let's get back to this. Like you're feeling rusty almost. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, some of the jitteriness of performing and like being hard on myself when yes. I was like, I had like, I had a good momentum going on prior to you. So I was like, oh, I can manage this fine. And then getting back into it, I was like, should I even be doing this? <laughs> Why am I doing this? <laughs> there's an e- there's like a, a, a an evil jet on your shoulder <laughs> just yeah. talking at you. Yeah. And I look at my other shoulder like there's no one there. <laughs> Where there? I need you now. Okay. <laughs> um i feel um, i've done so little performing uh since the pandemic hit and you know as much as like there's a lot more available now just mm-hmm. still haven't done much and so those nerves are definitely there for me at least mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just it's like you know feels like new territory almost um, yeah that's that is awesome well th- thank you for sharing a bit about yourself yeah um now well, i did have a question for you how did you get out to L- are you from LA? Did you move here to do comedy? Where did you grow up? I don't think yeah. I actually know that. This is my way up, to discover. Oh, great. Uh, I grew up in, in Southern California. I grew up in Riverside. Okay, just, yeah. Just an hour, about an hour-ish outside of LA. And um, when I, I was on track to work in the, the medical field, you know. Oh, really? I went to college at Cal State Fullerton. Okay. Um, and I studied biology and then wow. uh, yeah and uh my sister after i graduated my sister encouraged me to just like take classes like do something that you're interested in yeah. and i i took she she paid for my ucla extension classes which is just basically you just you don't have to actually be a part of ucla you just take the classes there sure and uh some of the classes that i took there were like sketch comedy writing and uh writing pilots or whatever mm-hmm. and i ended up meeting people in the sketch comedy writing class that I thought were funny and they all had a background in improv. Oh. Um, and so I ended up some of the people or only one person in that class, we were all supposed to sort of be roommates, but I ended up being roommates with one of them. I started, I moved out with that person okay. out here to LA a few years ago, maybe end of 2013, start of okay. 2014. Hey, I moved here in 2013. I, I'm coming up on nine years in June, which is a yeah. very frightening frightening. yes yeah i'm facing the same thing (laughs) gosh so you get it um okay cool i was i was curious about uh about that origin it's always fun to hear how people get out here and that's like pretty fairly unique from what i hear from a lot of people it's not the first person i that i've heard of to you know come from whether it's the medical field or like i've heard of you know people who've been in computer science moving Mm. over to improv and it's it's so Mm. fascinating so Yes, I can admit I didn't have much of a passion for science. <laughs> I like the idea of it and I yeah. like learning about it, but uh, I do remember like in between like pulling all nighters, I would enjoy just like trying to write something and like yeah. very like Mike, like on Microsoft Word, you know, uh-huh. just like yeah. this is a story of whatever short stories or just like trying to world build something. I just wanted to live in somewhere fictional. Yeah. And I don't know, there was like a sort of uh, creative impulse that was slowly dying as I was in biology. 
<laughs> which is funny because it's the study of life uh, yes <laughs> and here it is causing the opposite that's true Ah, uh, that's that's really cool thank you for sharing about that um yeah. i love it now before we get into your general history with video games i would love for you to tell the audience what game you've picked to discuss for the main event a little later yes okay so the game uh, it was a hard choice to make because there are a lot of games that i think were important to me in my formative years of gaming yes but i think this one kind of came at a kind of like a a turn of the i think it came at the turn of the century mm -hmm. i was gonna say a turn of like a like a, a chapter turn in my life but also of the century Whoa. um and the game is called legend of mana <laughs> I guarantee you, I will call it Matt Mana. I was calling it that too. I might, yeah. I, I've grown up calling it, I might just end up calling it that. And you know what? When one of us, you know, makes that little blunder, it's going to be okay. And we're not even going to make fun of ourselves. Yeah. We regress the colloquialism, you know. There we go. Bring it back. Um, well, I'm very excited to hear from you about your experience with that game, but let's get into your history with games in general. Um, yes. Where I always love to start with people is hearing when they first took a, an interest in video games in general. So I guess I'd like to know, were they something that were always around growing up? Were they something that came into your life after that? I'd love to hear. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I, I, I was born in 90. And so same here. We're like two weeks apart. <laughs> Parallels. Um, so I believe at that time, the regular Nintendo was already out and yes. maybe the Game Boy. So it's kind of vague for me. I have two distinct memories or sort of the kind of vague memories, not really distinct, but there's one where I just remember waking up as a really young kid. I don't know what age. And then I woke up a mo one morning and went down to the kitchen and my mom was exercising in the kitchen as she usually would. And then my brother was on the kitchen floor playing on his Game Boy, which huh. was foreign to me. <laughs> and he was like playing a football game and he was also playing this other game like a boy and his blob or something yes. like that yeah, you know that, I know that game yeah that that theme song is kind of like oh i'd like to talk about video game music remind me oh, of course yes. it's very important um to me um and so that there's one thing that i was like what's going on what is this um and then i have other like another vague memory of just like watching my brother play on nintendo mm -hmm. um and not being skilled enough on my own to actually play like i played mario i have distinct memories of uh crying to duck hunt because the dog laughed at me <laughs> oh no yeah i, I hated that's that dog. good um there's this funny game called gyromite and yeah, with rob we didn't have the rob um but you could have a, a second player control the pipes as the first player controls a character trying to navigate oh. and so we had a lot of fun playing with like almost almost crushing the main character, but yes. not because his face just compresses, which is really funny. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, I have like a trajectory of like consoles. Oh, um, let's go for it. Yeah. What, I well, mean, I guess the qu one question I have is, was that the time you were finding like your first like personal interest in it? Or did that come at a, like a different point where it was like, oh no, yeah, this is something that is like for me or this game oh, is for me. Yeah. Um, I was awful at games because I was very young, mm -hmm. especially during the Nintendo era. And then I didn't get a like better ish until the Sega Genesis came out, which okay. was the next console. And um, I wasn't good enough to beat games on my own, but I loved co-op games, um, mm. especially like Sonic 2. Yeah, because like I, I'm not skilled enough to beat 
any levels on my own as first player, but in Sonic 2, if you're second player, you play as Tails. Tails can't die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you just help out first player. And so I guess I've always had a sort of, uh, I've always, was always drawn towards co-op games. Yeah, interesting. Um, I did find out that I hated competitive games because I had an awful temper and uh, <laughs> like awful anger problems. And to this day, like I'm uncomfortable playing competitive games or being competitive because it's like, this is an untapped, unprocessed area that I need to work on. Yeah. I don't know how to compete with people. <laughs> yes, not ready to unleash it. Yes. Um, I threw tantrums and all that. It was awful. It was brat. Um, you're not the only but, person, so you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine now. But um, there's a when we were accumulating games, we all shared our games, mm -hmm. but we would kind of loosely be like, this is my game, even sure. though we'd all play the same game. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't until we had a shared library and then in the Sega Genesis era, we started like dividing our games, even though we all had the same one. Yeah. Who, who has the most um, personal ownership over this? Yeah. And it's like, what was the pattern ended up sort of being <laughs> my brother would get the good games. <laughs> and then I just found myself drawn to weirder, more obscure. Okay. I can't think of any specifics. That's okay. Um, and just a kind of a quick portrait of our childhood. Yeah. I played a lot of games with my brother. This is kind of like paints maybe a dysfunctional picture with sure. <laughs> my family. But I remember, I remember one time my brother and I were playing uh, Separation Anxiety, Spider-Man Separation Anxiety. Okay. You can play as Spider-Man and Venom. Yeah. And co-op to beat them up. And we were playing it. And one time my sister and my mom had gotten in a huge argument. Oh. And my brother and I were just playing. My sister stormed into our room. We shared at the time. Um, and then she kind of like laid on the bed and was like fussing about. And then my mom came in and they got in a huge fight, like behind us. You're just like anywhere else, please. <laughs> my brother and I kind of like side-eyed each other and then yeah. like, we turned up the volume a little bit and kept playing. Um, and, that's, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that might be my relationship with gaming. Possibly. Sure. <laughs> that's amazing. It turned out. Oh gosh. I love that. Um, you were, you were talking about though, you have like a console trajectory. Yes. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, so the, the Nintendo was the first console. Mm -hmm. I sucked at it. Uh, the Sega Genesis was when I got a little bit better. And somewhere in between there, I had gotten a Game Boy Color. Okay. Um, and I spent a lot of time there. Yeah. Um, Ooh, what were some, do you remember some Game Boy Color or Game Boy games you were playing? Game Boy, I think the first Game Boy game that I felt like drawn to was Wario. Wario oh, Land. Oh, Wario Land. I love Wario Land. It was great. I, in the same way that I was talking earlier about how my brother usually gets the claim to like the primary yes. kind of ones out, like Mario, Mario this. And I was like, well, I got Wario, this guy. He's that game like, rules. It was great. And he bashes people. Yes. And he's, it's just fun. Um, somewhere along the line, the Game Boy Advance came out also. And the graphics on that were pretty outstanding. Yeah. Um, but the library was limited, I think. But I played Golden Sun. On the Game Boy Advance, which was oh, yeah. fantastic. One now we're talking. So good. I love JRPGs. Um, that game was like, uh, I mean, it's a pretty fairly straightforward JRPG, yeah. which is good for me because I love the idea of JRPGs, but yes. I rarely ever 
complete them. <laughs> um, but this was like the perfect level of accessibility for me. And, and it also had its own nuances. Like the, yeah. I think it, I don't remember if it's pronounced gin or digin. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, I think it's gin, like genie gin. There we go. But you know, the ability to like, to, depending on which ones you had equipped to your characters, yes. it would change your class, which I don't think I understood as a kid or I didn't like, but then I actually played it a couple of years ago all the way through yeah. finally. And I was having i was like oh there's so much more here than i thought yeah it's really good it's like straightforward there's like yeah. puzzle elements to it oh this is a painful memory uh <gasps> i remember well painful in that i cringe looking back on it but in sixth grade <laughs> our teacher had us write original plays for ourselves <laughs> yes i love where this is heading. <laughs> <laughs> and i was so deep into that game that i just basically I basically stole the story. Yeah. The story and just inserted myself and my friends as like the characters. Yes. And it was, it was painfully cornball. Like <laughs> Sonzo tries to fix his roof with his synergy. And I'm like, yes. Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I love that. I it hurts. we had to, I was just thinking about something similar for this is just becoming a I'm just basically totally hijacking your episode. No, this is a conversation. Um, but I did something similar in sixth grade. Our, our, we were going through like the whole Egyptian like curriculum thing that a lot of kids had to do in like public school in California in sixth grade. And for whatever reason, they had us all, uh, we had to make our own stories too. But it was like through this computer program that was sent essentially like a 2D like animation program with like preset characters and environments and objects i basically i just like mapped space balls over it <laughs> i don't know if you've ever seen space balls long time ago um but i essentially just did that whole thing and i definitely got in trouble because i included like swear words and stuff but that reminds me of true also just fully plagiarizing that entire story that that sounds like the precursor to machinima like oh, what what, what's machinima well, I think it's known as like that company entity that does like video game centric stuff, but it was okay. also known as like a medium of like using video game. This is, you weren't using a video game specifically, but like yeah. if you've heard of red versus blue. Yes. That's like Machinim. They use the Halo engine, but then they do, they use those characters and models to tell their own story or whatever. Okay. That makes sense. That's awesome. So you were at the forefront of it. Oh, I could have been the first. <laughs> Just was too busy making just ripping off space balls <laughs> um so sorry to interrupt you but oh, no. uh, you were talking about golden sun the game boy advance yes, was big game boy advance i might have i don't know if the myth was true but i think that's around the time i started wearing glasses because i was playing the game boy advance for <laughs> hours um and then at a certain point i mean the pc was always around but Ooh. we didn't really get too far into it until like my friend told me about, I mean, I played like Math Blaster and simple, like the Sims, SimCity and stuff like that. I know Math Blaster. Math Blaster is so good. Gosh. <laughs> um, and I think around StarCraft or maybe Diablo 1, uh, PC gaming became like, a, I'm, that's mostly what I do nowadays, but oh, I think cool. that was the, the beginnings of that. But also around the same time, the PlayStation One came out. There we which are. I think was one of the one of the most uh, influential consoles for me and my household. Oh, cool! Um, 
how we came upon the PlayStation was we had a family friend who we just referred to as like our uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I probably can't call him by name because he was involved in some like shady stuff. like oh, no. <laughs> So we got a PlayStation from him. We bought a PlayStation from him and it had a chip in it, which allowed us to play burned games. There we go. Copied games. Some people had like game sharks, but ours, ours is, we had the chip. You could just play any copy yeah. game there. And so most of the games that we had were like, in a little cd case with like the little sleeves yes and it's just like blank cds with like the text of the game written in marker yes (laughs) (laughs) i had this for like for the computer oh man yeah yes and so so you know um a lot of the only legit games that we owned were like the final fantasies okay um but most of them were copied And so my brother, again, like most of the games that we owned were JRPGs and those are generally single player. And mm-hmm. so I had grown accustomed to watching my brother play Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy VIII, IX, <laughs> you know, Breath of Fire III, Breath of Fire IV. Wow. They're always single player and I always watched. And I enjoyed the story and I liked, I also had a sort of masochistic kind of just watching them grind yes and level up characters like he's in the same zone uh when we in if you've ever played final fantasy tactics there's this uh beginning area called mandalia plains and that is sort of like an inside joke between me and my brother that we it's kind of like synonymous with grinding because like he just he he like started the game and he just stayed in that single area and grinded for like day in day out for several (laughs) days um but it wasn't and so like i never really got to enjoy them myself i had fun watching but yeah. it wasn't until this special game called legend of mana Here came out legend of mana hey legend we're already there we we're there we did it um <laughs> and this one was a special one because it wasn't a jrpg it was a little bit it wasn't like conventional jrpgs in that it was turn based it played yes. more like a beat em up and most importantly, there was co-op. And so um, my brother made his character. And then what was fun for me was that anytime in, in the story of the game, uh, another character joins him, I could control that character. Awesome. And so I just get to play a bunch of different characters and like be the tales to his Sonic. Yeah, once again. <laughs> once again, which is very comfortable for me. Um, and I loved that game so much. Um, oh, here's a detail. Yes. Um, I was talking about video game music. So um, to paint a picture, I used to share a room with my brother. We had a bunk bed. Um, and uh, we also had like this CRT TV that was just in our room. Sometimes we watch Pokemon at oh. 7 a.m. Oh, um, this is the, the dream. <laughs> yeah. Around the time that some of my family from the Philippines moved over, we ended up giving that TV to them. So we okay. didn't have a TV anymore in our room and I might have moved to another room where we were allowed to have our own rooms at a certain point um and so the main tv for playing games was in my parents bedroom okay yeah and um it was like a sony crt tv had like the top part was on top of this sort of mount or whatever a case and you put the games and all yeah and my dad all usually always slept in and we were always awake before he woke up. So <laughs> our experience of gaming, especially in the earlier era of the PlayStation, was 
that the volume was always dialed all the way <laughs> to mute. Yes. And um, you can hear a little bit of bass, but you you just play the game on mute. Yeah. Um, and you hear you just hear like a little bit of it. And then by the time that when my dad woke up and left the room, then we were able to turn on the volume all the way up. And it was like a different game because yeah. the music just like it, it just makes a whole it just it changes. It just, it just makes such a big difference. It really does. And being deprived of it in the at the beginning of it made me appreciate it so much more. That's probably why I'm I'm drawn to it. Huh very much so and so for the soundtrack of legend of of mana um the composer is yoko, yoko shimomura you know yes you know she famously composed the street fighter 2 soundtrack and more more notably the kingdom hearts soundtrack yes. which where as we sit here today i'm not a kingdom hearts fan per se but the today uh to timestamp this episode the announcement dropped of uh two new kingdom hearts games including kingdom hearts 4 are you a fan of that series i <laughs> i loved it i played the first two. Oh, nice and then i fell off because yeah. there were so many games <laughs> and the story got so convoluted yes it did <laughs> so convoluted um but it's it's funny it tells a line between like oh this is cool and fun disney and square characters yeah it's appealing and sometimes it's like very painful yeah you're in the little mermaid zone and you have to sing and, and it's, it was it was a thrill though but i'm not really on the train anymore but mm -hmm. it it left a good impression while it was around. okay awesome. and again the soundtracks are amazing too oh of course um i do want to know from you you know outside of legend of mana um what were some like how did the traject were you mostly pc after the playstation or were you also console pc just moving throughout your life oh yes so um that's the oh that, that reminds me yes so when we started leaning into pc gaming because my brother usually had the call on squaresoft games which are all single player rpg games when he moved to like getting into the pc which was at the time like maybe half-life or counter-strike oh, yeah. shooters and all that um that's when there was room for me to like hey maybe i can try playing console games now Maybe I can try playing Final Fantasy when I hadn't been able yeah. to before. So like he moved on oh. from, so we kind of like switched off. That's cool. And so I got to retread. I knew most of what was going on already because I'd seen my brother do it, but I was like, it's different because I'm doing it now. Yeah. And I think that's what this game was for me. Uh, like now that I, uh, I don't know, I just had the time for it. It's kind of like, well, like if you've been to Best Buy in the 90s and there's like they have that big station set up where people can play a demo and then it resets so that you can let someone else play the demo. Yes. There's always that kid that like stays it. on it. He's like, hey, but it reset. You're not honoring. And so there wasn't really any rules or boundaries of like, it's my turn to play. If you claim the console, then you're just there for however long you can hold on. Yeah. And so when the when PC gaming became more prominent, then I was like, oh, there's an opening for me. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, did you so as that opening happened, where did you move on to the PlayStation 2 at a certain point? Did you were you like a Dreamcast person? Yeah, we we did the PlayStation 2, um, which was also great. Um, and then actually at a certain point I went backwards because we never owned a Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. And so I got an emulator on the PC and oh. I went back and revisited Super Nintendo games. 
what were you tell me a couple highlights oh kirby superstar all right uh final fantasy 6 uh chrono trigger just really um, naming some of the big boppers here just big because i'd missed out on them you know all of these games we have had a guest on to discuss yeah <laughs> on like this, on this to, show yeah and uh super mario world which i remember oh. really like wanting to play after visiting a friend's house and they had a super nintendo yeah like, wow, you get you get to pick up blocks and kick them it's crazy it that i i had a similar experience with an emulator specifically i think with super nintendo because i only played it at a friend's house growing up mm. um so getting to like chrono trigger is one of those games that i really that i experienced first on an emulator um mm. on my computer um and since i've played different versions of never have finished that game i, I would love to <laughs> love to finish it and it's not like a, an inaccessible one too that's one of the more mm. accessible jrpgs i would say mm. um but okay cool so uh i do have a question for you yes um were, did you ever have a like period of your life like a significant period I, I, we like to call it the dark period mm. on the show where you maybe fell off of game significantly or weren't that interested in it or had you know just other stuff go on for like a year or two or however yes long. um there's a big chapter of chapter of my life around junior year of high school where i got okay. heavily into world of warcraft okay there we go and i lost a lot of my social life <laughs> And uh, I gave a, a few years to that. And yes. coming out, I don't remember when I quit. It was on and off. But I think after graduation, leading into college, I sort of like took a break yeah. from gaming. And I was like, maybe I'll teach myself the guitar and journal. Uh -huh. And so I was just like doing that. Really getting ready for college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderwall, huh? Uh, <laughs> And um, yeah, that was the time where I, I really, I really spent a good amount of time away from it. And then again, gotcha. when I moved out here to mm -hmm. LA, because my PC started dying. Oh, no. And I have an addictive personality and I was spending a lot of time on it. And, uh, and so I was like, maybe it's, it's healthier this way because I have a social life and I yeah. have things to do. Um, just to backtrack a little bit and then Please. i'll get back to, to finishing that point uh after the ps2 we got the i think the three xbox 360 came out yeah and okay then the nintendo wii Ooh. and um we usually only picked one like, like a branch a branching tree of like you got to pick one console but yeah. we ended up getting we ended up like my brother and i lined up our birthdays and we got the wii and the 360 <laughs> for ourselves amazing um and then the ps3 eventually came out which i gotta throw i gotta shout out to little big planet which is one Ooh, of my favorite yeah. sandbox side-scrolling platformer games um and then world of warcraft somewhere in between yes. and then to the point that i was going to finish was uh was it the not the dark was it the dark period? oh um yeah so i Moving had I, yes i moved out here and i wasn't playing games for a while and it wasn't until the pandemic until lockdown where uh, I was like, maybe I should just fix my computer because there's nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I got, got back into gaming pretty heavily since then. Ooh. And I'm healthier about it, I think. You know, with it, with age, with some maturity, I don't doubt it one bit. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. 
Okay. Well, I have a couple, uh, two questions for you before yeah. we sort of wrap this part of the, of the show up. Um, do you have a console that you look back as like your all time favorite? Mm. I'm inclined to say the PlayStation one. Okay, cool. It was like, I don't know, you know, you have iterations of controllers and consoles. And mm -hmm. at that time, it felt like there were a lot of revolutionary and experimental things going on. Yeah. Did you play uh, Metal Gear Solid? See, that's the one that I'm like sad I never actually got to experience. Gotcha. Um, and there are some games like that that I missed out on that like I, I queued up like YouTube playlists of like playthrough, no commentary. Yes. Because <laughs> I want to experience the game and see the story. Yeah. Um, so I never got to play it, unfortunately. But I remember the theme to the second one being like amazing the the theme song yes yeah it's goes this is gonna be a terrible impression but it goes and then it continues but yes playing a lot of metal gear solid right now because we're doing it for our we have a games club that we do here at super npc radio every year mm -hmm. last year we covered i think 16 of the mainline zelda games wow and and then this year we're doing the first half. We're doing 10 Metal Gear Solid games. Um, episode six comes out this Friday. Uh, and then we are doing eight games in another series that have yet to be announced. But oh. if people listen to the teaser that we have on our social media, it, we make it very obvious what series <laughs> we're covering. Um, so I've I've got that in my head. So I know that theme song really well now. It's good. That's yeah. Harry or Henry Gregson Williams? Yes, I think Harry. I want to say yeah um the last question i have for you yes is have there been any uh meaningful games that you have discovered or really gotten into uh the last few years maybe even since you know the uh, lockdown absolutely um i think the biggest one that comes to mind right now is hades oh okay uh, cool yeah i i had been like putting it off because i had friends who were raving about it yes like, all right how good chuck could it be you, exactly yeah. that's exactly <laughs> what it is talking <laughs> they would talk about hades and like all right hades whatever and mm -hmm. then i had it in my library i was like i guess i'll play it and um dare i say it's a perfect game yeah i dare think I? you should dare you dare they've been super giant games has been iterating that style of game since like bastion mm -hmm. which i played Oh, um, and then I got it and then like, oh, my God, they perfected it. Yeah, they, they've gotten it figured out. It's so good. It's like it keeps on giving. It keeps on giving. And it's like, you know, the roguelike formula can be uh, punishing. But this one kind of rewards you when you die, which is built in because it still progresses the story. Yes. It's still like, you know, you still you develop relationships with characters and all of that. It was did, do you I, I have to say this every time someone brings up this game but um did you know that one of a, a friend of ours uh courtney venez i'm not sure if you've met courtney no um, she guested on the show in the first year she talked about mist uh absolutely hilarious improviser great great actor did some voice work for that game she As voiced and aphrodite yes yes so i listened to that episode when i found oh, out you about did. that oh, yeah cool. The voice acting and that's the other thing the voice acting in hades is so good yes you know i was talking about how i was so like deprived of sound growing yes. up and like it was interesting for storytelling at the time because you can convey it with minimal animations or music 
Yes. And yes. Um, one of the first games that introduced me to voice acting that I found so charming and endearing was the game that I mentioned torn between choosing was Brave Fencer Musashi. Yes. Very I said campy. Bushido Blade earlier. It was Brave Fencer Musashi. <laughs> They're probably not even similar games. They're Bushido Blade's a versus game, which I also played, which is very oh. funny. Okay, I feel better um, about that. <laughs> yeah, and then Brave Fencer Musashi is like an action RPG platformer. Okay, um, whoa. But yes, but I paid, paid attention to, to music and voice acting and all that stuff since then. And with Hades, the voice acting is perfect. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's so good. It's like cohesive. The tone of it all is amazing. You know, Greek mythology has been done so many times, but their take on Greek mythology and how they present it in a stylized way is so good connor it's so good <laughs> it is chuck was right gosh which is something we never want to admit how dare uh, he gosh chuck you're you gotta stop being right all the time <laughs> um awesome okay cool well jed thank you so much for sharing about you know some of i'm sure we could probably do a whole there's some people who come on like i had a guest on recently and was like we could do this for the whole episode yeah um but i do want to get to some more legend of uh mana stuff so <laughs> the eventually positive. The positive mana 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 yeah i'm gonna keep i'm gonna be i'm gonna just switch off for fun yeah let's uh, do it i but so before we do that though we're gonna take a quick break um okay. and uh but until then i mean i guess after that uh i'll see you on the other side Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. Of course, here to discuss The Legend of Mana with Jed Alcantara. <laughs> there we did it. Um, welcome back, Jed. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. Um, well, like I told you before the show, I'm going to dive into a little bit of the history and context of what this game is, just in case the listener isn't super familiar. Um, feel free to jump in at any point if you'd like. Otherwise, I just, I'm just going to monologue for a little bit. I have faith in you. Oh, thank you so much. And here we go. Legend of Mana is a 1999 action role-playing game developed and published by Square, now known as Square Enix, for the PlayStation. It is the fourth game in the Mana series, following 1995's Trials of Mana. Set in a high fantasy universe, the game follows an unnamed hero as they restore the land of... And help me with this pronunciation. Is it Fadiel? <laughs> I think so. Something like that, Fadiel? Yeah. Um, and they do this by creating the world around them and completing a number of un of interrelated quests in order to to, to restore the tree of mana. Um, some gameplay elements here, while incorporating action RPG elements from the prior games in the series, such as real time battles. Legend of Mana has its own distinct style of gameplay, and here is where the kicker comes. Most notably, it gives the player the ability to shape the world structure through the landmake system generating regions and quests in a non-linear gameplay system rather than a strong main plot line. Um, this is something I truly, I'm, I'm familiar with this game. Like I at least knew what it was because as we'll probably get to the remaster came out last year. So I've been familiar, but I didn't realize that you, you shaped the world. Yes. Which is, I, I'm guessing we might talk a little bit about that as we go, but yeah, I think that is a really just unique element to this game. And I love hearing that. Um, 
The game was directed by series creator Koichi Ishii and designed by Akihiko Matsui uh, and produced by Veteran Square director and producer Akitoshi Kawazu. Uh, the game had high sales, selling 400,000 copies in its first week of release and 700,000 by the end of 1999. Um, so it almost seems like a little bit of a burn bright burnout moment like hey a bunch of copies and then that's who was going to play this game um, <laughs> reviews were uh, a little less positive than for prior games in the series you know it made a lot of changes kind of not surprising critics gave considerable acclaim to its vibrant and colorful hand-drawn graphics and soundtrack by of course yoko shimamura um who i've just got to say again uh I've, i don't think i mentioned it on this show but for those of you out there considering uh, subscribing to our Patreon, we do a weekly uh, show that everyone gets at every tier called Super NPCs, where producer of this show, Jeremy Schmidt, and I discuss a video game topic of our choosing. Sometimes we make like we do like our top nine JRPGs episode. We might even do like a, um, a, a Zelda timeline episode. And recently we did a whole spotlight on Yoko Shimamura. Um, you did? We did. It, it was it was mostly just us raving and then listening to music of hers. Uh, oh my God. But uh, anyway, if you, I can always send that to you as well. I need to hear this. Um, but so critics were uh, critical of the lack of a clear main storyline, stating that it left the game feeling disjointed. Um, the game was re-released as part of both the PlayStation and Square Enix's bestsellers lines, and it was re-released as a PS1 classic in Japan in North America. And as we already said last year, uh, on June 24th, 2021, a remastered version was released for the for Microsoft Windows, Switch, PS4, um, and then eventually in December on Android and iOS. And something else I didn't know, apparently there's an anime adaptation by Yokohama Animation Laboratory um, titled Legend of Mana, the Teardrop Drop Crystal, which was just announced last year. So I don't think it's come out yet. Interesting. But I guess you'll have to keep your eye on that as a fan of yeah. this game. I can speculate what it's about. Um, are there any just like key basic building block elements we should say about the game before we actually get into your personal history? Or do we sort of, do we cover it in a thorough enough way? I think you did a fantastic job. I think oh. the critique of the game and that it was polarizing compared to the other uh, games in the series, I, I have never played any, any other ones. Okay, nice. I have nothing to compare it against. Uh, but it's very much non-linear. That's a very fair thing to say about it. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, why don't we just go ahead and, and, and do it and get into it? I, I know you talked a little bit about this game earlier. I, did, I don't remember if you said how you actually came to discover this game or bring it into your life. Did you mention that earlier? Mm, vaguely. Do you um, remember? Was it a specific memory? So, so that's this uncle quote-unquote uncle yes his family friend who was a bootlegger I love this game. guy he would come in and he would bring batches of games that we would buy for cheap and Ooh. this wave of games this game came with a wave of games that we got and the thing about playing burn games on playstation is sometimes if the quality of the copy wasn't very great after you play for certain hours or if the playstation got hot it would freeze oh uh, no but this is one of the games that we had that was very resilient and like oh, it was almost good. a perfect copy and it ended up being mine because oh, okay. my, brother, my brother was able to claim like final fantasy tactics and some other games like that and i was like oh this one's mine even though yes. we shared <laughs> we shared all the games 
Um, so we have that uh, shady uh, bootlegging quote unquote uncle to thank for that. Wow, thank you, uncle. <laughs> um, okay, interesting. Um, do you remember um, like some of your first experience with that game or getting into it for the first time? Mm -hmm. um, you put in the game and then we run it. We didn't know what it was, uh, except for how it was written in marker. On the, yes. <laughs> we, we were playing together. And the first thing that comes up is the the title sequence or whatever. Mm. And this was at the time of the day where my dad was already awake. So we had it at full volume. And it's like, it starts with like this, this very dramatic piano piece. And then like swells into this, this like big dramatic song. And I was like, I was like pulled in already. Yeah. <laughs> and like, what's, what's happening while the title sequence, it's just like showing the characters in their, their art their 2d art just like kind of like waving past the screen yes i was like i want to know these characters what's going on <laughs> who are these guys i like there's so so much going on who are they and i just remember the swell of that music being very uh it's just like it, powerful yes very powerful yeah. my brother and i are kind of like <laughs> we have like a are drawn to that sort of thing especially in that era of like jrpgs mm. and so that was like the first thing um and then the title screen comes on and it's like this very sad, like it, the song is, the track is called Nostalgic Song, I think. Yeah. Song of Nostalgia or something. If you've covered it in the, I don't, I don't know if you listened to any of the soundtrack in the Yokushimura. We played it one song at least from Legend of Mana and it, I, I know I found that one, but we may have played a different one for the episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can hear some of, uh, you can hear some of her, her, the composer's, uh, styles in kingdom hearts and in this one she yeah she cites this one as like her the one that she's most proud of i think the soundtrack entirely oh that's right um but yeah that starts it's just like this really sad kind of song and then we start the game and there's again the critic the critiques of the story is fair because we couldn't really tell what was going on <laughs> it, it starts off and this tree is talking it like pans up to this tree and it's like I, I I don't I couldn't describe what was going on, but there's text and I guess it's the tree talking. I don't know who it's directed <laughs> towards. And then you just put you into the game and you start off as this character. And it's just this very like charming. You're in your home treehouse kind of thing. It's this very like inviting song. I'm always I'm I go by I go when I'm talking about it, I'm going through song because for me, all of the songs are like distinct to each region and I can like picture um like how like where in the game it's happening because the in in your coverage of it like the the graphics of it are very much like kind of like watercolor story sure, storybook yeah. kind of hand-painted and so it's very much it's very lush and colorful and so like those images are what's kind of like imprinted on my brain that presented with the music and um those are like the earlier stages of it uh, every 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 new area, I was excited to hear the song, and it was just very different. I'd never heard never heard any music like it before, and so it was always exciting to go further on and see what else is going on. That's um, cool. You get introduced to this character named Elazul, and he's like this brooding, like standoffish kind of guy. And <laughs> this is the first time because you start off single player, so I was just watching my brother. And then he joins your party. I was like, I get to play this guy. <laughs> and he's just like this brooding kind of like knight, I suppose. Okay. And, uh, I don't know. It was just, it was a lot of fun. I was like, we're, it was, I'd never been able to play like, I don't know. It was just great to play a role-playing game, a story 
driven role-playing game with my brother yeah that we could both play co-op together and, yeah those uh, feel very rare I, a lot the only example i would have been able to really give personally before this would have been uh the secret of mana which <laughs> <laughs> is like two titles before if not three <laughs> yeah um yeah cool so this is you sort of getting into it for the first time that's cool to hear that the music captured you um and it's no surprise having heard at least a few tracks on this and you know as we've already lauded yoko just how great of a composer she is and she is really one of the titans um yes um so that's that's amazing do you remember um other aspects of the game that you enjoyed were you into the 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 battle system was there anything that you wanted to share about maybe the uh the world making that was in yeah the um so with the battle system it plays kind of like a beat-em-up um mechanically i think it's dated and mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of hard to recommend the game nowadays even though there's a remaster and yeah <laughs> you know, I, I mean you know it's pretty good listen to it i mean i mean play it <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. um but at the time it was it was it was great because um the co-op games that i found that i was able to sort of like hold my own a little bit with my brother were like beat-em-ups like battle okay. toads Battletoads Double Dragon. Do you ever play Streets of Rage? No, we missed that one. Oh, okay. Turtles yeah. in Time or the Turtle series? So I guess we were all in on Battletoads. Yeah, which battle hey, Battletoads it is. Analogs for, for, for you know, anthropomorphic. Yes, amphibians. In, yeah, <laughs> beat em ups. Um, and so this played like that. Um, it was a little bit clunky, but there was a lot of customization with like choosing your abilities and you can level up certain weapons, you can get particular abilities, Ooh. so you can experiment with those. Um, the world building, so I guess we should probably get into like the gameplay loop of it, which is you start off very like, I think you start off with a single, when you leave your home, you go to the overworld or the world map or whatever. And uh, in the menu, you have your artifacts. And those are things that you collect just by playing the game and completing quests. And sometimes mm. you're rewarded with an artifact, which you then place to an adjacent part of the world map that is already existing. And then it's it creates that zone or that like it's a town or a dungeon or whatever. Huh. And so the gameplay loop is like you do a quest, you get something, and then it feeds the gameplay loop. You get to do it again more and more. Interesting. Um, it's interesting because when you move your character from one area, like from your home to the town or the dungeon adjacent, the, the there's a day, there's a calendar system in the game, and uh, the day changes. Oh. And so for certain zones on certain days, sometimes certain events happen or certain characters are there on particular days. And huh. so this is a game that I felt is probably experimental because they kind of threw in a whole bunch of systems. And I think I remember hearing a critique about it and that like it doesn't do anything. It does it doesn't like get too deep. I don't know. I don't know, but like they put they put a whole bunch of things in there. Um there's one there's one that I really love, which was uh gardening or farming, okay. I guess. Like at, at a certain point of the game you get you somehow get a tree it's like a sentient tree into your backyard and <laughs> have that in harvest moon just, yeah just you just get a sentient tree and when you play the game you're fighting monsters sometimes they drop just reagents or seeds or crafting type things you feed 
this tree the seeds, which is how gardening works, as we all know. And um, in of a few course. days, yeah, in a few days, different kinds of fruits, different like original fruits will like show up and they're like strange looking things. And it was really fun to see what, what happens when you combine particular seeds. Okay. So I had a lot of fun just seeing what we could come up with uh, off of that. Um, there's a farm, there's a, a ranching mechanic, like you can get monsters and train them. Um, oh. I might spoil, you might, if you have the, the, the little Easter egg factoid section, I might be spoiling it, but. Oh, please go for it. Um, you can get a chocobo in this game. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I even like, you know, tried to look up cool stuff like that, <laughs> as you know. That's amazing. And, and is it part of this ranching portion? Yeah. Um, I think in order to get it, I think on your memory card, you have to have a Final Fantasy save file. That's cool. You know, square games all interact with each other. Man, I loved this sort of thing i mean we were just talking about metal gear solid but there's not to spoil too much but there's a moment in that game where if you've got other konami games uh, mm -hmm. someone will call it out so i love little little easter eggs like that um were you into that ranching element of it too not so much sure. <laughs> well yeah. i mean like it kind of fed into it because you could feed them the fruits that you grew or vegetables or whatever um and the thing is kind of hard is like leveling up in that game if you're when when you kill a monster they drop experience points i guess and uh -huh. you're supposed to experience crystals or whatever and you have to walk over them to collect them yes oh so gosh if you're reliant on the computer their pathing is very bad yes so if you're trying to get them to level they're like gonna go everywhere except for picking up the experience that is man certain game it's not the only game to do that with like experience and whatnot, but I'm just like, just give it to just me. Just give it to us. Just put <laughs> it on my character. Give it to me. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of things. There's a crafting. You can craft your own weapons. Um, you weren't kidding when you said they threw a ton of stuff at this. There's so many systems going on here. There are a lot of things going on. And it's like, you just play the game and then they'll give you more things and it's optional. It's always optional. Hmm. You can craft weapons, you can craft instruments, which are basically like magic using magic yeah. in combat. And I just love that there was all these things to offer because like, because it's so non-linear and you're not really pushed to do a particular story at any time, you can just like waste time. You just grind something out and just experiment with stuff. That's fun. Um, so, so the story, um, it's, or should I not? Please, by all means. So, I, so, I've said it so many times. It's very non-linear. Um, <laughs> there are like so many side characters and there, I guess there are three, I guess loosely there are three major arcs that you don't really have to play in any particular order. Hey, but you are controlling like a different group of people or a different protagonist or are you still the unnamed character each time? You're the unnamed character every okay. time. And I think the role that the unnamed character plays throughout the game is you're more of like a spectator or a facilitator because usually the side you're whoever and whatever npc joins you it's usually you're following you're helping them with their story oh interesting yes um so there i guess there are three loose story arcs one of them is like the fairy arc which is about like a group of four friends of different species and the subsequent falling out with like some of them, a pair of them getting into a sort of romantic tryst. 
Oh, swords, okay. And he comes sort of because one of them is a human, one of them is a demon, and the falling out of of that. I don't really, I can't really <laughs> articulate that. Yes, it's a pretty dramatic one. I've been there. It's it's okay. You know, you you romance a demon, and you know, you lose friends. Hey, yeah, and all the demons chose me, which made me feel strange. Which is like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the other one is uh, one that I one that I like, which is the dragoon arc. Okay. Um, you go to the underworld and you you were sought out by this this dragoon called Lark, and he's like some sort of canine crocodile hybrid okay. kind of <laughs> night looking creature, and uh, he was really strong, so I had a lot of fun playing him, but. He has you slaying dragons um, for the underworld's purposes, and there's a bit of a twist there. Oh! And then the other one, I think, I think which is what this, based off of the title of this anime that you mentioned, which is probably the most well-received story arc, is the Jumi arc, hmm. which is about a group of uh, a species of people, um, and they look like humans, and they're kind of they're basically humanoids, but I think the dis, the distinguishing element of a, a Jumi is they have a core, which is a gem of sorts. I saw a character like this in the art. I know exactly. It looks like a little mm -hmm. like a uh, water bubble. Yeah, exactly. Almost. <laughs> that might be Elazul. It's on their chest. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so they're sort of um, a dying out uh, species, race mm -hmm. of people, because they're they're being hunted for their cores. Oh, geez. And um, that one's the, probably the best arc. And hmm. I wonder if the anime is based off of that one. Interesting. Um, okay. Um, and did you remember, you know, playing this at the time, being also sucked into the story element of it as well? Yes. So I'm a bit of a completionist. Um, okay. which is, this is not a game for, like, this is kind of torturous if you're a completionist. Because <laughs> there, there, are, there are chances to miss out on things like interactions or or things like that if you don't do it in a particular order okay and so wow. we, we replayed it a lot um but we were very much drawn to it and the jumi arc i think uh and this is kind of like a trope in jrpgs like if you enter like there's a dramatic kind of thing going on and you're in combat but the music is sad or dramatic that's like the mark of a pretty solid jrpg you gotta have that yeah, yeah right and um that that happens in the Jumi arc, and there's this track called like City of Flickering Destruction or The mm -hmm. Bejeweled City or something like that. And that's when you revisit the city spoilers and like it's completely empty because that's that used to be where their home was. And it's just mm. this, this music. I, I think the music was telling more of the story than like any dialogue or anything. Yeah. Because like you're just going through this this town and like fighting your way through monsters. And um there's some just like really fun, like stupid side characters. Um, <laughs> there's one that I, there's an interaction, a recurring interaction that I base like my uh, online username on. Oh yeah. You play, uh, you play an unnamed character. You can't name them and you're supposed to male or female. And um, there's this character that you keep running into who kind of gives you tutorials on like how to fight or some game me mechanic. And he's like, Hey, I know you, you're that guy, chumpy, right? <laughs> and you can always like choose to say yes or no and if yes. you say no they're always disappointed and so you just always say yes because it's amusing and they're always yeah like, yes i knew you're so they always call you chumpy and i don't know i just thought that was funny it's such like a 
unassuming name. Yes. So that yeah. was like your, like, did you have that just for screen names or avatars and that sort of thing? Yeah. After a certain <laughs> point it. where I grew out of the edgy phase of like trying to come up with like a, a like an edgy screen name. I was like, yes. Yeah, but Chumpy's usually taken. So I add like. Chumpy's as edgy as they get, my friend. <laughs> this is pretty edgy. <laughs> uh, just throwing another vowel in there somewhere. To there we go. Because people usually claim it. Um, I don't know. There's just a whole cast of characters. It's very much like, there's just, I don't know. There's just so many. <laughs> yeah. The interactions are always charming or fun. Now, like we sort of talked about the, the world building element or the, you were literally setting the pieces of the world, almost as if you're setting out a, like a settlers of Catan board. Yes. As far as where things go. Do you remember how you felt about that at all? Sometimes I would like get in my head a little bit like, should I put this dungeon next to this town? It's yeah. Kind of rude. Is this going to spell out enemies on them? <laughs> when you place a, an artifact, there it plays like a unique animation. And so um, I was like, I wonder if they're seeing that now, this, this unfolding yeah. live. But it, it was a little bit stressful sometimes because I'm like, is this the right place to put it? Yeah. It's, it's a... I'm, so go, go for it please sometimes too many options is over overwhelming i'm with you and that's that was i would like to try this game out some someday and i'm just curious as to how i'm going to react whether i'm going to uh be like no i can you just set the world for me and let me <laughs> go through it or if i'll enjoy that because i could see both things um being true possibly mm -hmm. um but yeah sometimes more options is just more stressful yes it gives um, you a lot of options at the time i had the i had so much time for it me and my brother so of course several times and get get the unique interactions bring a character along for this particular mm -hmm. see what they say this time but i hate the idea of missing out on like an interaction or whatever because like someone put effort in writing the dialogue or like you know putting like uh, you know animating a character to say or do these particular yeah. things you don't want to miss out on those things no not at all um one thing that i would like to hear a little more about because we've 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 tiptoed around it and you've talked about playing this with uh with your brother but mm -hmm. whether that's the context you played it in or any context what do you remember about playing this game and with whether it was with him or by yourself i'd love to hear of course, you've already also laid, painted a picture. It was in your parents' bedroom, and your dad is asleep yes. sometimes, which yes. is a very funny and specific, like, kid, like I remember elements of that because I had my parents had a TV that was set up in their room, which before I got one, that's also where I gamed mostly. Yes. So, uh, so I guess as far as, like, playing with your brother, is that how you mostly played this game, or did you sort of strip, like, I was going to say strip off, peel <laughs> off and do your own thing? I'd love to hear. Yeah, so I think our first playthrough around, um, it was mostly with my brother because okay. he was the main character and I was playing all the, the side characters. But I loved the game so much. I also had my character when he wasn't around. And so I would do things my way. Cool. And play with my character. And sometimes he would jump in. He's my older brother, if I haven't specified before. But we could have assumed that considering I was always second player. I was, I was guessing, uh, but it is nice to know now. What a power move if I had a younger brother who was like, I'm Sonic. <laughs> this is my game, Jed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, when I played on my own, I, I, I would um, I'd really be able to take my time mm. and uh, just like talk to everyone and uh, explore every little nook and cranny. And sometimes yeah. my brother would hop in 
And there was like this, it's not hidden, but you have to go out of your way to find it. But there's even like a versus mechanic where like someone else has the game, they plug in their memory card and they load into your world and you can fight each other. And so wow. I, my cousin had this game too, who we also played a lot of video games with at the time. And he brought his and we used to play a little versus. Uh, that's man that's a really fun unexpected element for this game especially on like consoles in those earlier consoles it feels like more of a rare thing yes and so you could kind of like with that mechanic in you can load in your character your own your own character Uh not like any npc that's already in the game and you can just adventure with your own characters um together and you won't be able to push the story any further but you can just level up and grind and just like oh that's fun so that was fun. Oh my gosh, that's like some very early. Uh, I mean, you, this game already allowed for co-op, but that is like some very early, uh, a, a different form of that almost. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not articulating myself very well, <laughs> but it is like, oh, how how like someone can in Elden Ring, not a game I'm playing, but mm-hmm. a friend can join your world in Elden Ring it, but uh, and just help you grind or like help you fight yeah. a boss. That's cool. I love doing that stuff. Because again, oh. competition is it's not, not for you. Not for me. Maybe later down the line, but you like teamwork. I love teamwork. I love co-op games. A lot of PC games are very co-op now, which is great. Uh, but tangent. No, oh, uh, that's okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, now, was there uh, are there any other elements about this game that? you haven't gotten to highlight um, or ex- or an experience with it for you, whether specific or broad, um, before we uh, sort of like put a bow on this thing, I- I'd love to hear if there's anything we left out. Um, again, game or context-wise. Mm-hmm. There's a little detail in the game, a little, because again, I've mentioned how I'm like a completionist and I don't like mm-hmm. missing out on things. Um, when every time you finish a quest and sometimes it's as simple as talk to this person and then the quest, you get a loading screen and you're uh, in the overworld. Every time you finish <laughs> a quest, you, um, you, you sh- you're supposed to go to your home and talk to your sentient pet cactus. Okay. I mean, I, <laughs> and then you take a nap or whatever. And then when you leave, your, your pet cactus leaves his pot its pot and it goes to a little uh a little column in in your room like a what's it called what's this a beam a column yeah and uh writes in its journal (laughs) um and if you don't talk to it and you do the next quest it's not gonna it's not gonna record what happened in the previous quest and so like it'll write like a page worth of like from its point of view um, sure the story that you told it assuming and it's it's impressions of of what <sighs> happened and um those little details were were great it was like worth getting is the reward for me for, for playing yeah. from another character's perspective which is ended which ended up being why i probably like games like Hades and stuff. sure like especially that is the, the one of the interesting things to me about that is that it is just like maybe some anecdotes or a few things from its perspective yes. and that sometimes things will even be missed like oh he this didn't get written about because i didn't talk to the cactus yeah then you gotta play you gotta start a new file <laughs> gosh that's so funny well if you're a completionist like you of course yeah um that is such a quirky little element of this game uh <laughs> it feels like this game has so many i mean of course they've got so many systems like we've talked about mm-hmm. and elements that they've introduced but like little 
um, just uh, creative strokes like that that you could continue to unearth as mm-hmm. you played it uh, or as you play it. Well, um, is there if there if there's nothing else that you wanted to talk about specifically context or game wise, I would love to just like hear what this game meant to you. Like what like what was the space that it held and put a little bow on that for us as we're like close yeah. out our Legend of Mana talk. Yeah. Um, well, as a game, uh, it kind of, it kind of, uh, it kind of like fine-tuned my sensibilities to really enjoy co-op games, Mm -hmm. adventure RPG games, and even like sandbox games where there's elements of something for everyone. Yeah. You know, um, it doesn't have to do it necessarily great, but like if you were to play terraria or minecraft with friends there's like something there that someone likes doing more than other things that you can all like enjoy yeah Uh, you like building you like mining whatever for minecraft or terraria um and then where it took place in my life this was kind of like as i mentioned before kind of like the turning of a chapter because this was a game that i felt was my own that i completed and it was an rpg it was a squaresoft game which was like the standard of like games and uh, I completed it on my own. And I don't know that I've completed a game. I might have, you know, but like that one felt really important to me. Yeah. And it kicked, it kicked off like me being able to revisit other games that I was always afraid to do single player and experience those stories. Oh, cool. To those soundtracks. So, and that was like one of the last, I mean, the PlayStation 2 came out, I think the next year. But I yes. think they were still making games for the PlayStation as far as like 2004. Yeah. But for me, that was kind of an end of an era. Like that was our last wave of games. And so it kind of like wow. propped me up to, to move on and all that stuff. Wow. It's uh, almost like a little coming of age tale for it, you. Yes, exactly. And I do love a good coming of age tale. Oh, well, Jed, thank you so much for sharing about, you know, your experience and relationship with the Legend of Mana um but of course we are not done here i do have a couple of fun post-show segments for you um you know specifically curated based on you uh, choosing this game today the first of which we sort of previewed already the fact me by your game segment this is where i'm just going to share a couple fun facts with you um for the listener if you've never heard this segment these could be range from anything uh from easter eggs in the game secrets development history cheat codes uh, you name it. Um, the first one I have titled for you here, uh, I have titled Moichendice. Now, upon the game's release, Japanese release specifically, several promotional items were made available from Square, including stuffed toy dolls of the, of the it's spelled here, Raybite enemy, um, and mascot of the series, uh, a necklace, and lighters. Uh, and as a promotion for Square's Summer of Adventure, as they called it, release schedule in 2000, which the North American release of the game was uh, part of, those who pre-ordered the game were given a free music CD with select tracks from the game, which seems like someone's got to find a way to get that to you, because that is one of the things you loved about this game. Yeah, I mean, we owned the bootleg copy of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we it officially. Um, a, ra- a rabbi lighter, though? I it looks like dolls of the rabbi enemy and I guess a lighter there must have been like a lighter maybe with some other characters on it yeah or like the title of the game the rabbi is like the minions of uh, legend of mana it looks like a, a bunny slipper yes 
it's sentient. I mean, it's alive and it bites. That is, explains the name because reading it, I was like, am I reading this correctly? Am I, is it supposed to say rabbit? Um, <laughs> uh, so that's the first fact I have for you. Juicy. The second one, what'd you say? Juicy. So juicy. And to continue that juice, uh, the next one I have titled <laughs> Debut to Early Release. So Legend of Mana was first announced by Square in March of 1999, just before its debut at the Tokyo Game Show. This game was released in Japan in July 1999 with considerable hype, packaged with demos of Square's future releases, Vagrant Story, Chrono Cross, Front Mission 3, and Threads of Fate. Um, And in North America, it was planned to be released alongside of the July and August 2000 releases of Chrono Cross and Threads of Fate, but actually was just ready to go early. So they released it uh, June 6, 2000 in this country so wow we owned all of those other games except for the third one uh front mission three front mission three yes yeah. did you so they also just came out with the remaster of chrono cross for that's consoles right. so that's a game i you know being a chrono trigger fan i know they're not the same i know that's different uh but i'm definitely intrigued so yeah. that one um, has a lot of options too yeah be okay as a completion <laughs> oh gosh well thankfully i don't have that bug in me so i should be okay um and vagrant story i've just heard so much great things about that was interesting yeah because that's another action rpg i believe yeah and it's like this fear based combat strange huh um well that'll do it for the factory buy your game segment and i'll lead us into the final one the game recommendations Juicy. so this um as you've probably heard me say is my one forced tie into the movie Call Me By Your Name, which this show is named after. And I am going to treat Legend of Mana as your passionate summer love, very memorable, but that you're eventually going to move on to. So we got to find you a new fling. So I'm setting you up here, Jed. Um, these, all these will have different uh, uh, connections to this game and reasons for why I chose it. So here we go. Um, if... You want even more main characters in your 90s JRPG. This game has a handful. If you want even more, we'll go ahead and uh, suggest a game to you that is, I think, the remaster is coming out this year, and that is Live Alive. Have you heard of Live Alive? Not heard of this. This game was actually first recommended to me by uh, Oscar Montoya, and it's another huge... um, jrpg from this time where i think there are like eight or so main characters and uh you follow all of their stories and how they intertwine um but that's a recommendation for you live alive uh if you want to return to the roots of the mana franchise but you want to do it on game boy i'll go ahead and recommend to you final fantasy adventure which is not a final fantasy game it is a mana game and i will say uh it's up there for me as far as nostalgia Game Boy games with Wario Land yes. uh, and like Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 2. It's a kick-ass like uh, action RPG on the Game Boy Advance. It's really Final cool. Fantasy Adventure? Yes. Interesting. Is yeah. it like top, top down? It's a top down, just like running around. You have spells, you have your sword, you level up. Um, it's really hard, but it's wow. pretty cool. And then lastly which I I prepared this before we came on and it was affirmed for me. If Jed, all you care about is 
you just like the music from Yoko Shimamura <laughs> and you want to play a game completely out of the realm of this fantasy genre, I'll recommend to you another game she composed the music for, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Oh, wait, not... This is different from Mario RPG. It is. Which she also um, composed, right? She did for Super Mario RPG, yes. So this is Mario Luigi. Uh, it was a Game Boy Advance game. Uh, Superstar Saga. It it became its own series too. Like they did one for, uh, I think a couple for the DS. The one I played was Partners in Time. There's one called Bowser's Inside Story. Um, there's even like a Paper Mario crossover at some point. Mm. But Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Um, Very curious. Yeah. Um, well, that will do it for the game recommendations, and that will actually bring us to the end of the show. Can't believe we're already here. Um, but Jed, before we plug, and again, feel free to plug, um, you know, your shows at the pack and anything you have on our way out. Um, but I just want to say thanks again for doing this and coming on to hang out with me for an hour and a half. It was such a nice chance to get to catch up and talk to you for the first time in a yes, while. So, I know. so thanks so much for doing it. It was really fun. I'm, I was so happy to be a part of this. I love your show. As I've said oh, to you before, I love thank the you way so much. that you, you, you interview and ask questions that it like get to the sentimentality people behind people's attachment to these things so thank you I love doing it <laughs> um i guess plugs yeah uh, would you want to plug your shows or any any um anything you have going on yeah i guess yeah sure <laughs> it's um, up you to can, you you don't have to yeah uh yeah, you can follow my sketch team gold baby we do first wednesday of the month at the pack theater we do sketch shows at 9 p.m you can follow us at Gold Baby Sketch on cool. Instagram. I do improv with my all male Asian team, the former guests of the show, Miss Go Lightly. And you can follow us on Instagram at Miss Go Lightly Improv. I'll put a link in the show notes just in case it's a little marks. different. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, if I'm on Instagram, which I sometimes am and sometimes I'm not, you can follow me at Jed Camped. But if you don't want to know me personally, but like my little comic strip doodles, you can follow me at Jed Can't Draw. Awesome. Uh, and um, follow this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep doing it. Don't you can't leave, listener, is what we're yeah. trying to say. Um, well, I'll be sure to put links uh, to all of those things in the show notes so people can just click. Um, Thanks again. I'll, I'll go ahead and close this out with some plugs of my own. Yes. And here we go. The cover art for Call Me By Your Game is done by Glenn J. You can find him and all the other wonderful uh, art that he makes on Instagram at Glenn with two N's dot J-A-Y. Uh, the show is produced by Jeremy Schmidt. So thank you, Jeremy, for doing this every week. Uh, now 113 of these bad boys. Um, check out his show. Video games, a comedy show. If you don't already, it's a roundtable style video game podcast. It's a blast. Um, and of course, as I said already, check us out on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash super NPC radio, where uh, us, the hosts of Reactivators, Inside Video Games, uh, Classic with July, and Video Games, a comedy show, we have a ton of bonus content there. So if you like this show, you get a monthly bonus episode where I sit down with a group to talk about a meaningful game. They are called the co-op episodes uh, at the DJ Toad tier. Um, we just did Portal. We're going to do Portal 2 coming up pretty soon uh, for the month of April. Um, 
you also get the Metal Gear Solid Games Club or really whatever Games Club are doing. So uh, if you are a big fan of that series, consider subscribing. Even if you do it for a month, you can just check out all of the ones we've already done up through what is about to be Metal Gear Solid for uh, Guns of the Patriots. Um, and there's just so much more and there's a few things that are on the horizon for us there. Um, I can be found on social media at Connor underscore McCabe and that will do it for this episode of Call Me By Your Game. We will see you on the next one.